Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. for downloading another episode of the thundercast you can follow us on twitter at thundercast underscore pod um russ let's just get right to it right we've got a rubber meets the road game this weekend herds going down to mobile alabama they got to face mm-hmm. south alabama for the first time ever right and two teams have never uh, played before so this is one of those uh, box checkers we're still getting into the era of playing teams for the first time since we've you know, change to a new conference now in the second year. And there are very few teams left, but South Alabama is one of them. And I've got a nice little tidbit at the end to share on that front. If you've been injured in a car wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. What happens when an Ohio driver crashes into a West Virginia driver in Kentucky? That can be a mess. But if you can dream it up, Jason and Matt have probably been there, done that, and gotten their clients paid. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. Contact Jason and Matt at 304carwreck.com. The game, of course, is going down this Saturday, November 18th, 5 p.m. on ESPN Plus if you're not going to go to the game. Um, This team and Marshall are really, really similar. And not just on the record, but both of them are currently five and five. South Alabama has a little bit better conference record. They're three and three. But they're also very similar to the point that I think both teams have underachieved this year versus what they thought their records would look like. Remember last year, South Alabama was a 10 win team and Marshall was a nine win team. High expectations that, you know, both while both did compete early on for you know, some the Sun Belt, they're each their respective Sun Belt Conference divisions. Marshall was kind of out of it earlier. Uh, we saw Troy clinch the West this past weekend, so we know that one's out of the gate. The East is still up in the air, but we've got some common op- opponents. Uh, the herd and uh, South South Alabama ha- have two common opponents. One we've already played, one yet to play. Uh, but let's talk about those quick three losses that are on the resume. For uh, South Alabama, they lost to James Madison, they've lost to Troy, and they lost to Louisiana. So if that gives you a gauge of kind of where South Alabama falls in the hierarchy, now those common opponents, both of us lost to James Madison. They lost 31-23. to We know the Herd lost 20-9 to in a game without Rasheen Ali and a game that Cam Fancher was noticeably limited with his mobility. And then the next common opponent is Arkansas State, who the Herd will face next week. Depending, you know, I, I mean, not depending, but it could change how that game is viewed based on the outcome of this one. But uh, South Alabama did get the win over Arkansas State, twenty-one to fourteen. ESPN Power Index uh, does not like the herd. Just twenty-eight point nine percent chance to win for Marshall in a road game. The herd is plus ten and a half, with an over/under forty-eight and a half, which leads you into that twenty-nine to nineteen type score. And uh, before we go into some bullet points, I want to ask you something because that is a big spread. Mm -hmm. And I think I have an idea why that might be. I want to hear why you think the herd might be 
plus 10 and a half. I think that right now um, we're uncertain at quarterback in Vegas's eyes with does Fancher come back? And if so, you know, he was noticeably had fallen off on his production over a few years. Also coming back from an injury, would he be at a hundred percent? If it's Pennington, it's his second ever career start. He didn't throw a touchdown last game. Um, that's not me commenting on either one of them. That's Vegas who, you know, they look at all this stuff, injuries and things like that. I think that that's the big thing that it's on the road that we until last week had a horrible stretch of trying to score. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're looking at that and saying, Hey, it's uncertain here uh, at quarterback. We don't know who's going to start. We don't know if it's going to be both of them playing. We don't know if uh, one will be at a hundred percent. haven't gotten uh, a lot of touchdown production out of either one of them over the last four weeks. And I think that's where it's at. Yeah. I think it's actually that, Maybe they think that Cole is actually going to get the start and, and that he is going to have to go on the road in his first ever road start and and play against a really good defense in South Alabama. And I'll talk to about some of those points earlier. I'm not sure too many folks are paying attention to how good this South Alabama defense really is. I know I had my eyes opened a little bit during the course of my preparation and th- that is a big factor. It's not just necessarily who Marshall's fielding offensively. It's, who South Alabama is fielding defensively and the fact that they're at home. So I I do think that it it's it leans heavily towards the quarterback. I still, you know, can't 100% say no, 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 Cam's not going to play. It's going to be cold show because we don't know, mm-hmm. you know. We don't know. Uh, I listened to the um Locked On Sunbelt podcast earlier this week with our buddy Dave Schultz and and the episode was is the beginning of the Cole Pennington era and he actually mentioned us in the show. I don't know if you got to listen to it, but he said, not you yet. know, Leading into the week, uh, to, to 75 week, he said uh, nobody was talking about uh, Cam Fancher not playing. He said, we follow, he said, I follow Luke Christie pretty closely. I follow the guys from the Thundercast pretty closely, and nobody was saying anything. Well, the reason for that is nothing was said. Nobody knew, you know, so it was a surprise to everybody until basically game day that we even knew that this was a possibility that Cole Pennington can start. So there is absolutely no surprise that we're not hearing anything this mm-hmm. week either but that spread really opened your eyes up a little bit to thinking okay maybe they know something we don't because well they usually do you know and i'm full on board with uh not disclosing that i would rather be in the dark and everything if it gives us an advantage uh, as a team and uh you know i've talked plenty before you know two drastically different styles of quarterback you've got one is more mobile and he's left-handed whereas the other one is right-handed and he's more of a traditional pocket passer uh, not that he can't run. It's just that's, you know, you look at, at Cam and what he does, he is elusive in the backfield. Yep. Uh, he, he can throw on the run. Uh, Cole is a freshman, you know, and that's different than, than Cam who has about a year, almost a year and a half full now that he's got, uh, so that's just different preparation. Everything mm-hmm. about it's different. And, uh, if I'm our coaching staff, I don't let on who's going to play or anything either. I'm, we say it all the time. We are not insiders. You know, uh, we have been fortunate enough to have, uh, people in the athletic department and coaching staffs of various athletic, uh, sports at Marshall 
give us time for interviews mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But we would rather stay in the dark and give the fans perspective. And I'm glad that we didn't know until the day of the game. And I kind of wished it would have been a surprise just because that would have been even less time that uh, Georgia Southern could have prepped for a uh, possibility of coal. Yeah. Week. I'm not sure you're going to get any true preparation when it's game day. It's not like you can go out there and have a quick practice or anything, but I know, you know, coaches are compensated well to game plan and, and they're mm-hmm. intelligent individuals. So they can make some last moment tweaks and, and things they want to do defensively just to accentuate already the sure. strengths that exist on their defenses. But anyway, uh, the last bullet point, well, I didn't really make one, but it, this goes without saying two five and five teams matching up winner of this one gets bowl eligible. That's the biggest right. storyline in this game, yeah. right? We both have something important to play for. Neither one of us can go to a Sunbelt Conference championship game. So you're trying to alleviate the stress of a needing a final needing a final week win. You want to get it, but if you don't win this one, you have to win in order to have an opportunity to go to a bowl game. Other uh, side other, of that coin, too, is uh, the winner of this one has a shot at a winning regular season record. True. The loser does not. The best the loser can do is 50-50. Well, they the best – the yes, that's the – no, the absolute – yes, no, wait. Maybe in the regular season, but if you go and Regular season is what game, I'm talking Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking, talking about regular season. The winner of this has the opportunity next week to have a winning record in the regular season. Yes. The yes. loser does not. They it's will the, the best they can do is six and six in the regular season. Yeah. So that's two big things, right? That that are riding on this game. Being able to talk about a winning season and being able to know going into the last game of the season that you are going to go to a bowl game. In a yep. year where we're talking about will there be enough six and six teams, you get to six wins, you're gonna go. That's yep. basically what it is. You have teams like Jacksonville State and James Madison for that uh hoping that there aren't enough six and six teams so that they can get a bowl game. Uh, the the last real bullet point that might be flying under the radar for some fans is this, this is a matchup of two really good running backs because uh, we know what Rasheen Ali is. We know uh, because we follow him very closely as herd fans, mm-hmm. but LaDamian Webb is a great running back for South Alabama. These are two of the top seven uh, in the Sunbelt conference so that'll be a nice little game within the game uh, to see who has the better, you know, provides the most impact for their individual team. Now, let's get into what this game actually looks and feels like to you uh, just from the surface. Well, it feels like a must win, as uh, we just covered. Uh, it's on the road. This is one of those tests when we saw the out-of-conference uh, schedule and then the in-conference cross-division schedule. We said, man, we've got it tough. We've got to go to South Alabama was one of the points that we made. So preseason, offseason, this was one of those games we had circled was this is going to be tough. You know, a lot of people expected them to uh, push for and or be the favorite to win that West Division. It was them and Troy almost in a two-man race, if you remember, on what everyone was predicting. Uh we knew LaDamian Webb was going to be great. He, he's had a great career there. And, uh, you know, they went, uh, didn't they play and beat UTSA in the bowl last? Am I remembering that correctly? I don't remember. I'd have to look it up, but uh, I'm fairly certain they beat UTSA. Now watch me be wrong. If so, it'll be the only time we were ever wrong on this show. But, <laughs> but anyway, coming into the season, I was expecting a lot out of South Alabama. 
Yeah. Uh, I do feel like they've underachieved. I feel like we've underachieved, just like you said. Um, both of these teams have a lot left to play for, just so you can get that extra practice time, that extra developmental time for your players, and just for the fans and the, the preseason goals. Everyone says, yeah, we want to be good enough to go to a bowl game. You know, so yeah, th- there's going to be a lot on the line. And I look for this to be a uh, a um, hard fought game because of that. Well, it's it, now it's hard fought for a different reason because we both thought we were going to be really good and vying for right. like jockeying for bowl position, but now we're both struggling at at 500, and it's going to be tough because we're both still kind of in the same position as teams. But the but what you gain is different. Now you're gaining yeah. just bowl eligibility. And one house cleaning note, real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. You've confused South Alabama with Troy. It was Troy that played UTSA in the Cure Bowl. Okay. Uh, South Alabama actually got boat raced by Western Kentucky last year in the in the New Orleans Bowl, forty four to twenty three. But they still were a ten and three ball club despite that loss. So we'll um, we'll just edit that out. What I said, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. It's not a big deal at all. So let's talk about. One point before I get into these yeah. indicators. Now, this season could have gone, the, despite the struggles here, they lost the head-to-head matchup with Troy. And you flip uh-huh. those games, and now maybe these last two games of the year really mean a little something more because you don't know what happens with those two teams, right? But in mm-hmm. that game, um, Carter Bradley did not play for South mm-hmm. Alabama, and they lost you know, in, in that Troy game. And, and that was a – that was one that you know those fans really, really wanted, and it was a twenty-eight to ten loss at Troy, and mm-hmm. they were without their their QB one in that game. So, speaking of Carter Bradley, let's talk about some of these players, right? Because as far as we know, Carter Bradley's back. He's played the last couple of games. There's no reason to think he's not going to play this week. So, number two, quarterback Carter Bradley, six foot three, two hundred and sixteen pounds, senior. 186 out of 279 on the season, uh, 2,301 yards, 15 touchdowns versus seven interceptions. He's got 37 carries total on the season from like a rush standpoint for negative 11 yards in nine games. Remember, he's missed one game, did not play against Troy. Two games, only two games all season does he have a positive rushing total, okay? That's it. And one of them was like 1.8 yards. His his best game of the season was like nine and a half yards. Okay, so this is not a very mobile quarterback at all. It's like the very definition of pocket passer. Okay, uh, number three, running back LaDamian Webb, five foot seven, 210 pound senior, 162 carries for 890 yards. 15 touchdowns on the season, good for five and a half yards per carry, 22 receptions, also 140 yards on the year, no touchdowns through the air. Nice little, you know, added kind of thing in, in the playbook there for Mr. Webb. He's not just an exclusive runner. He can make some plays in the pass game. He's got those 15 touchdowns, though, are ahead of Rasheen Ali by one. But, you know, he's got, uh, I want 110. I need 110 yards. He wants to get to that 1,000-yard threshold. Can't blame him. Why wouldn't you want that? Then number four, wide receiver Colin Lacey, five foot ten, one hundred and ninety pound junior, leads the team in receptions, yard and yards, uh, with uh, seventy one receptions. The only SBC wide receiver right now over a thousand yards receiving, and it's Mister Lacey with a thousand and ninety six, six touchdowns, good for fifteen point four yards per uh, reception. He's also, by the way, number thirty 
in the nation in punt return yard average, averaging 8.1 yards per punt return. Just for uh, context, we just got off the heels of playing Caleb Hood, who was a really good punt returner. Ranks a little bit higher, but uh, Hood's only nine – well, not only. He's 9.3 yards per punt return. So a full yard sounds like a lot, and it is a, is a lot, but still that tells you how good that uh, Colin Lacey is as a punt returner. The number 12 wide receiver, Jamal Pritchett, five foot eight, 164 pounds, sophomore, 44 receptions for 650 yards and five touchdowns uh, through the air, 14.8 yards per reception. That's number nine in the SBC. So uh, South Alabama boasts the number one and number nine wide receivers in the conference. It's pretty damn good. Uh, they average 29 and uh, 29.9 points per game. So might as well call it 30. That's good for seventh in the Sun Belt Conference. The herd, the herd is allowing 29 points a game. That's 11th in the Sun Belt, by the way, on 423 yards straight across the board as the number seven offense in the SBC. 423 yards, seventh. 258 pass yards, seventh. 165 rush yards per game, seventh in the SBC. Russ, what do you think about this South Alabama offense? Well, they got a lot of weapons, and uh, it doesn't seem to be spread out, and you don't have five different wide receivers that are threats. You've got two main wide receivers that are threats. They've got 11 of their uh, 16 touchdowns uh, on, uh, on receptions. The uh, running back, he uh, has a touchdown in every game except for the opening game of the year, which was against Tulane. Uh, where he was nine rushes for 40 yards and no touchdowns with a long of 10. Every other game, he's got at least one touchdown. He threw up four against USM. He can go off. He had 163 yards last week. He had 151 uh, against Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he can run. He can put points on the board. And Bradley great quarterback to do it, to throw it to them. Yeah. So they, they have some weapons and they can score. They're uh, just under 30 points a game on average, 29.9, call it 30, 29.9. Is that yeah. what it was? So yeah, right at 30 points a game. Uh, so this is an explosive offense that we're going to be going up against. Yeah. It, it's a very, very, uh, more, not very, very, but a very balanced offense. You know, the, you, like you said last week, you expect to see more passing yards than rushing yards it, by an offense just by nature, right? But uh, it's not a air raid that we just got off the heels of playing, you know, and it's not this run-only offense, but they can hurt you uh, through the air and on the ground. And if Marshall can put together the semblance of a defensive effort that we saw against Georgia Southern, then – this sets up really good for Marshall, right? Our young DBs that I think have turned a corner. You know, we talked about that needing to happen last week. They needed to notch up last week, and by and large, they did that. So I think we're we're now in the area where they've turned that corner, and the and the floor is a new floor for these youngsters. You know, uh, and to really only having to account for two or three main primary weapons as opposed to five or six has got to lighten the load for them. You know, mm -hmm. but I guess the I guess the 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 toughest thing is going to be can they wrangle Ladamian Webb? Uh, we've seen some pretty good run defensive efforts the past couple of weeks. I, I like the trend there, but can they do it against this 
particular back because he's like you said he's explosive he's a lot like ali you know a lot like ali Mm -hmm. he's just not quite the same um i guess if you want to make waves if if you can identify where one thing this herd has a legitimate advantage is the fact that carter bradley is going to be a drop drop back passer you don't have to worry about him eluding all these sacks and busting 30-yard runs. He can do it. I mean, we've seen Chad Pennington do that, you know, and he's not known as a runner either. But it tells me that he's going to stand in the pocket for the most part. And uh, that means that Marshall can make some do some damage there because we, we know our guys can rush the passer. Uh, let's talk about this Jaguars defense. It starts at the second level. Honestly, those linebackers, uh, all three of them are one, two, and three on the team in tackles. It starts with number 10 linebacker Quentin Wilfon, six foot one, 248. He's a senior, leads the team in tackles with 70, uh, leads the team in solo tackles with 39, and leads the team in sacks with four and a half. He also adds a forced fumble and a pass defended to that resume. Then you go to number four linebacker James Miller, six foot one, 228. He's a senior. Uh, 61 total tackles, 23 of those solo, and a fumble recovery to his resume. So you don't really see that big drop-off, like from 80 tackles to 40 tackles, like we've seen a couple of times with our opponents. And then you go to the third leading tackler, number 22, Trey Kaiser, six foot, 224, also a senior. Senior, 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 basically mirror images, six foot to six one, all these guys between 224 and 248. Uh, 60 total tackles for Mr. Kaiser. So you go 70, 61, 60. Equal production across that second level. 23 solo tackles, second on the team with three and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and two passes defended for Mr. Kaiser. And then we're going to round it out with number two, the safety, Jaden Voisin, or Voisin, six foot 205. He's a junior. 57 total tackles, 23 of those solo, leads the team with three interceptions, one forced fumble, and five passes defended, added to his resume. Impact plays for this. South Alabama defense. They've got 25 team sacks on the year, seven interceptions, eight forced fumbles, seven fumble recoveries, and 24 passes defended. As good as this defense is, and they're good. I'm going to get to the rankings here in a second. They have absolutely zero defensive touchdowns scored this entire season, which is a little surprising. Uh, They allow 21.1 points per game on defense, which is number three in the Sunbelt Conference. They allow 324 yards per game, which is number two in the Sun Belt Conference, and twos across the board. Number uh, two in pass defense and rush defense, 200 yards a game allowed through the air, 124 on the ground, and they are top 35 nationally in both of those individual categories, but when you add them up to total defense, they are number 25 nationally in total defense. So this is a really good South Alabama defense, but it's wild to me. They're really good at not giving up yards, but they're not that great at getting points defensively. So I don't know what that means, uh, but it's it's just an oddball stat. You would think you would at least see a pick six or a, a, a you know a scoop and score something somewhere along the way. But anyway, you look at it, Russ. This is a very stout defense. The herd offense is going to have its work cut out. What do you got for this Jags defense? So, quick question on your. Uh... Sunbelt rankings there. That's mm-hmm. uh that's still all games played in those all rankings. Games that's not just games played against the Sunbelt, right? Right. That that's okay. eleven games or ten yeah. games in ten the games. Season. They've got yeah. ten games. Yeah. yeah. So 
I thought that was the case. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. No, it, it looks like they've got, I mean, you're looking at total tackles here of 70, 61, 60, and 57 for your top four. And we only saw that uh, one other game this year that we played against someone that had several people up there in high in tackles. That's a lot of tackles. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a lot of assisted tackles. It looks like a gang tackling uh, one person kind of hits to wrap up and then here comes two or three others to help out. And that, uh, that to me is uh, equally as impressive as a team to where you have someone that's just a high individual solo tackle guy, mm-hmm. because this means team tackling, you might not get those breakaway runs, you know, to where you can shed off that first tackle and then add another, even eight yards is a lot to add after that first contact where, uh, if they're doing a lot of gang tackling, you know, perhaps that's going to stifle first downs. Perhaps that's going to stifle uh, flipping the field with a long run. So that could come into play. I, yeah. I know that's I know that's extremely simplistic, but that's that's what football is. But it's not though, because that's the exact vibe that I got. You know, when you don't have. You know, it's great to have a guy that's got 120, 130 tackles. That's really cool. That's an awesome eye-popping stat. But when you go from 110, 20, 30, all the way down to like 40, Mm -hmm. you're thinking, man, what the heck is – that's wild. This is the only guy. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to get their tackles. They're going to get their stats. They're going to be in on a lot of plays. not every play. You don't get those type of numbers just watching. Mm -hmm. But it's equally impressive, if not more so, like you're saying, when you have four guys, five guys that are all within 10 or 15 tackles of one another because it's a team defense concept. And generally you see that translate to overall team defense success. And we're seeing that right here with both Sunbelt rankings and national rankings. The only Sunbelt team that's ranking higher in defense than South Alabama from the Sunbelt is Troy. Yeah. Right, so it's not surprising that both of those teams were considered favorites coming into the season. So, uh, the, you know, the herd offense had struggled a month ahead of time, and we had a, we saw a little bit of a breakout against Georgia Southern, but now you walk right into Mobile, Alabama, and you're going to face a top Sun Belt Conference defense in, against the pass and the run, and they don't give up a lot of points. So, another reason where you say, all right, ten and a half might not be that, you know, out of the realm of possibility when you're making a line on the game. I'm not saying that. I expect that to happen. I'm just saying, oh, well, when you start looking, adding these things up, now you start to say, okay, well, maybe 10's not as egregious, as disrespectful as we thought it was just because it wasn't seven or six and a half or something like that. Uh, Let's talk about a place kicker. Number 36, Diego Guajardo, uh, six foot, 185. He's a senior. 10 of 14 on field goals this year with a long of 46. He's just three of seven from 40 plus though. Uh, 33 of 35 on extra points. I already mentioned that uh, um, Colin Lacey is kind of the key guy in the return game for them. I I went to the FBS stats from the NCAA. They got nobody in the top 50-ish in kick returns, uh, anything like that. It's just, you know, it must be punts or that's it. So I don't know how many of percentage of kickoffs they're facing that go out of bounds or anything like that, but. That's a distinct area that where Marshall has a massive edge because, of course, we know our guy, Jaden Harrison, is number one in the country in both kick return yards average per return and kick returns for touchdown. So uh, if I'm Kane Womack, I'm not sure I kick any to Jaden Harrison this week. But, hey, 
we'll let them decide if they want to do that or not. Russ, how about some keys to the game for the herd? What does Marshall have to do to go into Mobile, Alabama, line up across from South Alabama, get a win, and gain bowl eligibility while also simultaneously keeping a winning season on the table? Number one for me, and this is probably ranked. I usually don't rank these, but this one in particular, I think, is the the key is stop LaDamian Webb. And uh, if you look at his yards and losses versus yards and their wins, uh, up until uh, or there's only one game where he had 100 yards rushing that they actually lost the game. Uh, everything else, you hold him below 100. Totally different ball game. Listen to this. We've got uh, Tulane. I already mentioned he had nine carries, 40 yards, only 4.4 on the average, no touchdowns. They lost. Uh, and here's – I said that backwards earlier. He had one game where he didn't rush for 100 that they actually won, and that was the right. very next game, southeastern Louisiana. Seven carries, 81 yards, 11.6 average, two touchdowns. It's not like he wasn't productive. They just pulled him early. So, but, but still, so the, the outlier there is the only time that happened was against an FCS opponent. Yeah. So they have not achieved that little stat against an FBS opponent, much less a Sunbelt conference opponent. Then he went for 151 against Oklahoma state and they won. Uh, then two straight losses. He had 68 on 18 carries 36 on 12 carries. And then they lost both those games. Then the next two games they won, he had 100 and 102 with both over five yards per carry. Next game was a loss, 96 yards. Next game was a loss, 53 yards. And then last week was a win, 163 yards. Keep him below 100. He's still scoring touchdowns. He's still getting good yards per carry, like one of those losses. Uh, He went 16 for 96 had a touchdown and a 6.0 average, but he they still lost the game and he was still below 100. Now, correlation, causation, I know all about that stuff, but if you're going to win against South Alabama, it looks like you need to stop LaDamian Webb or at least control him and keep him below production average. Yeah, I, I, that I think is absolutely a, a valid point of emphasis because like I said earlier, you know, the guy wants to get his 110 yards, he wants to mm-hmm. get to that thousand point or that thousand yard, you know, like plateau, not plateau, but goal tier, whatever for the season with one more game to play to see how much he can add to that. So let's get that one out of the way. That's an absolute huge point of emphasis. And that's why I absolutely put that. This is a matchup between two great backs. I usually don't say things like that, but you got Rasheen Ali who's, uh, Already, it's weird, man. I I went to one website. They said Ali's got a thousand yards. I went to the other website. They did. They said he didn't. And it wasn't like nine ninety eight. It was like eight ninety. It's like a whole game missing. So I'm thinking, like, all right, what the hell's going on here? So I don't know what to believe right now. But both of them are. If they're not at a thousand, both of them want to get to a thousand. So this is equally as important for Rasheen Ali. So that leads into my number one key to victory for Marshall. This has got to be the Rasheen Ali show again. It was the Rasheen Ali show last week at home against Georgia Southern, and it needs to be the Rasheen Ali show again this week on the road. I think he needs to go for one twenty plus. I think he needs to have two plus touchdowns and. 
We saw a fumble that was recovered by Cole Pennington last week. I think that absolutely needs to go away this week. We're talking about a 20-plus carry game. We're talking, you know, we need that six-yard um, per carry average, couple, two, three touchdowns. It's got to be the Rasheen Ali show in this showdown against LaDamian Webb in Mobile. What's your number two? Number two is we have got to lock down their top two wide receivers, Lacey and Pritchett. I mentioned earlier, you know, it's not a situation where uh, the top five were productive. Uh, was that against Georgia Southern last week? We had, they had that... three guys. Nobody went over 100, but they had three guys that were close. You know, No, I they... mean coming into the game. When we were doing a oh, preview, yeah. we, we were going over someone that had uh, five different guys. That oh, yeah, that up. was him because I was comparing yeah. yardage to uh, yeah. how they would rank against yeah. Marshall's leaders. That's right. So this week it's the top two and that's it. So uh, if we can put Micah Abraham putting in a Micah Abraham performance and get someone else locking down the other guy and you're holding them both down, you're, you're coming in with 71 receptions, 44 receptions, six touchdowns, five touchdowns, lots of yards from both of them, deep threats, uh, yards after the catch, ability to take it to the house, you lock those guys down and you're keeping them off the scoreboard that drastically improves our chances just like with Webb. so my top two keys are our defense are going to have to shut down these weapons yeah i uh could have easily done that same thing but this week i went um top three our defense for me as well it's just that point for me ended up at number three but i'll go ahead and talk about it now and i say you got to blanket those two through five receivers just like you're saying uh, because I don't know what Marshall normally does. I don't pay that close attention. I don't know if Micah Abraham covers a side of the field or if he follows a receiver, depending on whatever uh, side of the field that guy goes to. But I'm just going to think that Micah Abraham is going to be on Colin Lacey all game long. Why would he not be, right? Because he's your number one defensive back against the only wide receiver in the Sunbelt Conference to have over a 1,000 yards. It makes sense to me that you keep those two guys matched up all game long, right? And if he's going to make some noise, he's going to have to do it against our best defensive back in coverage. Uh, but we like I, that's why I said earlier that I think we've seen the floor for these young DVs raised because they're going to have to blanket those two through five guys. J.J. Roberts is – is more active in the tackling department than than coverage. He still plays pretty decent coverage, but yeah. you see him in on 10-plus tackles a game. So he's not spending his time in, from a safety position running with receivers. You know what I mean? So I think you're going to see guys like Deonnie Hill, A.G. McGee, J Jacoby Henderson again. They're going to have to play a huge role in, in this back end for Marshall. I just hope that uh, Micah Abraham, like you said, turns in a Micah Abraham performance. I think he's due for another interception. Um, he's he's due. He's been making some really great plays in coverage. He just hasn't come down with one in a couple of games, and I think it's time. You know, I think it was maybe against James Madison was the last time we saw an interception for Micah. I could be wrong, but I think I'm right on that. And it just feels like he has the potential. They're, they're going to uh, obviously target you know, uh, Lacey a lot. So there's going to be an opportunity there for uh, Micah to maybe go up and get his hands on a ball or two and change the course of this game, give the ball back to his offense a couple of times. Uh, so what's your number three? Number three is we've got to continue the creative offense that we saw last week to be able to put up points. How many points? I'm saying 35. We have to game plan that 35 
is our goal to put up. Mm-hmm. Now, can we win the game without that? Absolutely. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that we need to say, how are we going to score five touchdowns? How are we going to convert five of our drives into touchdowns? I think that is a realistic goal against someone that is averaging 30 points a game that we say, how are we going to get our five? Okay. Last week, we got uh, three from that Wildcat uh, formation that we talked about. And it's not really the Wildcat when we run it run it it's the thundercat so <laughs> i don't know why i didn't think about that well it is and i have to give a shout out to uh uh my old uh my old pal michael Massetti for uh reminding me <laughs> that but fairly certain that we called that you and i included called it that uh back in around the 2008 when we were running that in uh in the snyder years can't even remember. I know Cody Slate ran it a couple of times, but there was another wide receiver that we had that time. Might've been Passmore uh, that, that was there, but, but uh, anyway, get in that Thundercat and uh, let's, uh, let's get some uh, formations, the double stacks, you know, we saw the, the double pass uh, going again this week and it would have gone for a long run. We just have to keep that, uh, that creative thing is how are we going to get these points on the board? How are we going to score these touchdowns? So that's what I want to see this week for uh, goal number three. Yeah. I can't argue with that, man. When you're, when your defense is now allowing through 11, 10 games, uh, allowing 29 points per game, it's there. That's what you've done. Now we've gotten a little bit better, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, At least even if the point total isn't there, the defensive effort has been there. So, you know, if we can start to play a little bit better of complementary football, maybe that point total goes down, you know, because we did a pretty decent job of 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 containing Georgia Southern, uh, even though they got 33, you know, we were able to outpace that. And you're right, five touchdowns. You got to get to 35. I'm not sure that 28 will win this game. I just am not sure that it will do that. Uh, my number three, which is actually my number two key to victory, is I think they're going to have to get to Carter Bradley because he does not pose a running threat as part of his normal game. You know, it's going to have to be a play breaks down and he gets away from a sack and something opens up type thing for him to be a factor in the run game. They don't do designed runs with Carter Bradley. The numbers just say that. You know, when you have played in nine games and in seven of those nine games you have a negative rushing total, you're not a runner. And, and, that's just not part of their offense. So I think Marshall's going to have to get to Carter Bradley. They've allowed 21 sacks in nine games, so a little over two per game. And I think Marshall's going to have to get probably four, maybe more. Time's running out on some of these guys. You know, their seasons are drawing thin. You know, guys like Owen Porter, Sam Burton, you know, they're not going to get to strap up the helmet a couple more times, three if we're fortunate and take care of business this week. So I'd say, you know, remember last year in November, Huff talked about seniors. We don't talk about senior day. They get them to start processing their process. If I'm coming back, guys that might be on the fence about coming back, they start processing that in November. They wanted a month to, you know, to get their mind right and stuff. So these guys that are going to be exhausting eligibility have probably been in that frame of mind. And I think 75 week drives home a lot of that for these guys, right? That, wow, you know, this is, I'm coming to the end of my herd career. And I think that provides such 
a different level of motivation. These guys stay on level 100 all the time, but how do they push past the red line, you know, and, and do something a little bit more. And when you have a goal, like winning seasons on the table, bowl eligibility is on the table. You know, we know we have a quarterback that's not known for his mobility. I think that makes you want to pin your ears back a little bit more and, and get a little extra drive, a little extra get off, a little extra something. You know, so I think they're going to have to get to Carter Bradley four times, five times. They're, this might need to be the marquee performance in the sack category this week to get that win. You know, it, that's my, that that's kind of what it feels like to me. So what's your number four? Keep them out of the red zone. And the reason is, obviously, you want to do that every game. But in particular here, you look at the kicking game. If we can force field goals out of here, you already said three out of seven on the year uh, from 40 and, and above, 46 being the longest. That's a, getting to the 29-yard line, and he got that. Uh, anything beyond the 29, 30 and on, you're not going to see points on the board if what he has done so far this year sticks. Mm-hmm. Last three games, uh, he's had one. We're talking about the kicker here, Gallardo. Um, one field goal, and it was 29 yards in the last three games. That's two losses and a seven-point win over Arkansas State. So I like our chances if we can do everything we can to keep that field position down there and keep them out of the red zone to force those longer field goals or to make them just say, hey, we're going to have to go for it. Hey, we're going to have to punt, try to pin them back deep, whatever it is. I like our chances to keep points off the board if we can keep them out of the red zone. I can't argue, you know, I mean, and again, I mean, everybody can say, well, no crap, Russ, you know, if you keep them out of the red zone, but I feel like that's a key to this particular game is we need to keep this team out of the red zone, limit their red zone attempts. And that will drastically help us. Can they still score from outside of the red zone? Absolutely. Any team can, but, if we have to force them into decisions of going for it on fourth down, punting to try to pin us back and they miss and we get it on the 20 or a situation where they botch a, a snap or something, we get a better field position or they kick a field goal and we get it where the, the ball was. I really like those chances. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is of course, you know, the red zone begins at the 20 yard line, right? Mm-hmm. And it, if you can push that just back to the 25, if, if the 25 yard line becomes your new red zone for this game, sure, then that means your field goal attempts are 42 yards. Mm-hmm. And it's wild to think that that five yard difference could be a huge factor in this game, right? Uh, my, number four for me is something that you kind of alluded to when we were talking about the South Alabama defense, but I think the herd has to uh, make this one their own this week. It's making the first hit count, yeah. right? You, you can't have any extra yards after contact in the run game or the pass game. Uh, you know, while Marshall's going to be trying to pin their ears back a little bit, maybe extra and get to Carter Bradley, which kind of sets you up for more yardage allowed in a run scenario, you know, because you can just blow right past a, a blitzing defender or a pass rushing defender. That's why you don't play pass defense and rush defense the exact same. But in the even that, even if that happens, whoever gets that first hit 
has to be the guy that slows up Webb or slows up Lacey or whoever in order for that second and third guy to come in and maybe bust the ball loose. But mm-hmm. definitely stop the play where the first initial contact occurs. I want to make them have to be 50% plus from third down because if you know if they're earning first downs by taking three downs to get it, that's one thing. You know, but if they're constantly living on first and second down, that's a whole nother thing entirely, right? And and for one that has a lot on the line for both teams, I think the team who plays that best swarming type of defense limits those yards after contact on their on their opponent is probably going to have a big edge in this one. You know, this might come down to a you know a a street fight type thing where you're just punching and punching and punching before somebody finally lands the last knockout blow, kind of like. You know, what we saw, not necessarily in the last four minutes against Georgia Southern, we saw two quick touchdowns in the last four minutes, but leading into that, that's what that was. It was a Mm punch-for-punch type thing, and somebody made one more play, and it was, you know, how Marshall got uh, got the win. Do you have an MVP in this one? I do. I think it's back again to Rasheen Ali. I think uh, if he puts up 150, Again, not necessary, but I think if he puts up 150, two or three touchdowns, I like our chances. And I think that that opens up our offense so much to where it's not just his performance. It's at that point we look at receivers getting open more. We look at them not being able to uh, stop him, the field flips and everything. We It just opens up the playbook. It opens up everything. So I think he has been the gear that runs the machine for us for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not last year, but Still his two, two years, years <laughs> his two years, his two years that he played. Yeah. Uh, you know, when he, when he was uh, not injured, you know, he was the gear that ran our machine and I don't see that stopping. I think he puts up a big performance to be the MVP in this one. Well, unsurprisingly, he is also my MVP because he was my number one key to victory. I don't think Marshall has a shot if Rasheen Ali doesn't produce, if he exits the game early, if he is a, you know, the stats that you talked about, LaDamian Webb, if he's a 10 carries for 60 yards, I don't think this one is Marshall's day, right? He's mm-hmm. going to have to go over 120 with a couple of touchdowns in order for me to feel really good because that means undoubtedly he's probably broken a big one for a touchdown, Mm -hmm. maybe two. Maybe he has three of those mid-tier type runs, 30 yards or so for touchdown. It's going to be hard yards. You know, we heard Huff talk about that. He said uh, that this one was going to be a lot like the uh, NC State game you know, where there were going to be hard yards and you were going to have to earn it. And, you know, and, and the stats say that for South Alabama. They just don't give up a lot of rushing yards. But they also haven't played Rasheen Ali. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can't go into the game and say, well, this is this great defense. They're going to stifle us. And because there is something to be said about the greatness of Rasheen Ali. He, take, he can take great defenses head on and give that defense their worst performance of the season. We've seen him do it before. We're just going to need him to do it this week in order for us to have a chance. If I've got just something to piggyback off of that, it's sort of what you said. If he's drawing extra eyes, allowing for that extra half step for our receivers to get open, then this might be one of those games where it's get what you can get and be happy with moving the chains. You know, 
we saw last week uh, Demarcus Harris was able to bust loose a couple of times and get a large a lot of yards after contact, and that's great, man. And if it's there, by all means, take it. But what I don't want to see is um, what we saw late in the game where Caleb Coombs was trying to make a play and the ball gets popped out. You know, so I'm okay with these receivers taking what they get, especially in traffic. Just make the catch and take your eight yards. You know, if you've got a one-on-one scenario or you've got a crossing route or you've got a slant, uh, you know, and go type thing and and you've got a step and you can make something more happen, then do that. But, you know, please don't put, our, put us in a situation to where we're turning the ball over when we've got something going. I can't rely on Cole Pennington to have two fumble recoveries every game, right? Because he does that once and now he leads the team in fumble recoveries. So that tells me we're not doing a great job of recovering fumbles this season. Uh, Russ, what do you got for a score prediction? Well, I see us doing that creative offense that I talked about and I see us getting five scores. I see us winning 35 to 24. Tight one. Tight one. I've got it even tighter. Because this is a road game. Thirty-five to twenty-four is not all that tight, man. Yeah, when I we're mean, a ten and a half, true. when we're a ten and a half uh, underdog, I'm not, not taking. I never take into account the Vegas line, you know, I, because I'm not a betting man, and uh, that that to me, even ten points is fairly convincing. I mean, I know that's eleven, but a ten-point win is is a turnover that leads to a touchdown. You know, it's it's and one extra play here and there so that's that's tight enough for me but i've got it even tighter man i don't know why i am i am just scared a little bit because this Mm -hmm. is another one of those have to have it and it's on the road you know if this Mm -hmm. were if we were going on the road for the final game maybe i'd feel better you know having two games at home you know because you could tell there was definite relief for the herd being back at home on a saturday Mm -hmm. that was a difference (laughs) so now they're right back out of town again but I still like the herd to take care of business. I, I I like that we have enough guys that I think the headspace is in the right enough headspaces are in the right place that Marshall's going to go down and make this thing happen. Thirty-one to thirty, herd securing bowl eligibility. I've got a lot of respect for South Alabama on defense. I think they can score some points on offense too. We have a lot of question marks. Not trying to say we don't, but I just like them to get it done. I feel like that was a it was so much of a much-needed win last week. I think it's enough to catapult the herd to um, make the last three games of the regular season count, you know, 31 to 30. Russ, do you have uh, any final words for South Alabama? I do not. Um, I, if I had to come up with any, I'm I'm just harking back to that preseason. We, we had goals of, of much more. We had goals of – the Sunbelt Conference championship and stuff, mm-hmm. but we definitely thought winning season. And now you've got to win the final two. Um, I just see us really having that grit the rest of the year. We were putting that bad skid behind us. I'm hoping that uh, we do have a lot of fans going down there and, and giving us some support. Uh, I won't be there. It'll be my first game since uh, Georgia State and only the third game this year that I will miss. Um, but we're going to need fan support. It's a good team, but I really see us coming down there and uh, turning over the apple cart, coming out with a win. Well, I've got one final point that I'm going to make about um, South Alabama and what the herd is going to walk into. 
I went back and and was curious, right? I don't know anything about South Alabama historically. We've never played them before, right? Never had reason to dive into the program. So I just went back and I was curious. What does their attendance look like? What kind of environment is Marshall going to walk into this week? And um, it's very up and down, and it's now trending downward, right? They opened the season uh, to lane just under 27,000. Pretty respectable. Their seat, their stadium holds thirty. Didn't sell out for for Tulane. Then they had a home game against Central Michigan, eighteen thousand. Then they had James Madison, twenty six thousand. Then they had a game against Louisiana, which is always highly contested, and there's always a lot of hype around those games. They've been playing for a while. Sixteen thousand seven hundred people. Last week against Arkansas State, fifteen thousand people. Now we know Troy has sealed up the Sunbelt West Division. It is senior day for South Alabama, but oftentimes senior day goes underattended for Marshall too. I don't know how much of a factor that's going to play in for them. It would, it would not surprise me if Marshall goes into this game with a crowd under 14,000 people. And that to me just does not say intimidation. You know, it just is not an intimidating environment. I don't care if they happen to turn out and there's 20,000 people there. I don't think that's going to happen with them, you know, being out of contention for the Sun Belt. Yeah, they're playing for bowl eligibility, but it just doesn't feel like they're going to pack the house for the hurt. You know, a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't go might go because it's the first ever matchup and they want to see the first ever game with Marshall too. But your two biggest games were against Tulane, which is was a ranked opponent, one of the top two or three G5 teams in the country this year. And your other one was James Madison, an undefeated James Madison, who is also one of the top or top two, three G5 teams in the country. Marshall's not that, in fairness. We're not one of the top two or three. I just would not be surprised if we walk in to a less-than-lively stadium to where that can is not going to be an excuse. It is not going to be a factor in the game. Call me crazy, but I just don't see it. It would not surprise me to see them have less than 14,000 at this game. Uh, the one final thing I wanted to mention is I uh, told you, we've said it several times, this is the first ever matchup. We've got three teams in this conference that we have yet to play against, and I just wanted to touch on it real quick. Two of those are going to be eliminated in the next two weeks. We're going to play South Alabama this week for the first time. We're going to play Arkansas State for the first time next week. That leaves lonely Texas State as the only team remaining in the Sun Belt that Marshall will have to play. And we'll see whenever they find their way to the schedule. Um, Russ, I've got nothing else. Herd's going to take care of business. I'm all but – I can't guarantee it. But I feel really good about this. Even though I have it a 31 to 30 game, I think the herd takes care of business. Go ahead and take us out of here if you got nothing else. All right. Whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the cam, or whether you see us rooting on our herd from the comforts of our own couches this week, no matter where you see us, what are we saying? Go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We will see you early next week for a South Alabama recap. Later. <laughs>